0: Thursday and welcome to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Glad to have you along here today. We'll bring you feature agricultural news reports along with a look at regional and national agricultural news. And we'll start with regional agricultural news headlines right after this.
1: Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio. To dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you.
0: California agricultural operations have been significantly impacted by the recent floods throughout the state. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has technical and financial assistance available to help farmers and livestock producers recover. Impacted producers should contact their local USDA service center to report losses and learn more about program options available to assist in a recovery from cropland infrastructure and livestock losses and damages. Production agriculture is vital to the California economy, and USDA stands ready to assist in a recovery From these catastrophic flood events, according to Zach Ducheneau, administrator of USDA's Farm Service Agency, who met with disaster impacted producers last week in Fresno, Yuba, Salinas Valley, and other areas. He says he assures producers that USDA employees are working diligently to deliver their extensive portfolio of disaster assistance programs and services to all impacted agricultural producers. He says they're also proud of the recent updates FSA made to disaster assistance programs that allow the to improve their response to California producers. Producers who experience livestock deaths may be eligible for the Livestock Indemnity Program. To participate in the program, producers will be required to provide verifiable documentation of death losses resulting from an eligible adverse weather event and must submit a notice of loss to their local USDA County office within 30 calendar days of when the livestock loss is apparent. Meanwhile, Emergency Assistance for Livestock, Honeybees, and Farm-Raised Fish Program provides eligible producers with compensation for feed and grazing losses. For ELAP, producers will need to file a notice of loss within 30 days and honeybee losses within 15 days. Additionally, eligible orchardists and nursery tree growers may be eligible for cost-share assistance through the Tree Assistance Program to replant or rehabilitate eligible trees, bushes, or vines that were lost. This complements the Non-Insured Crop Disaster Assistance Program or Crop Insurance Coverage, which covers the crop but not the plant or trees in all cases. For TAP, a program application must be filed within 90 days. FSA also offers a variety of direct and guaranteed farm loans, including operating and emergency farm loans to producers who are unable to secure commercial financing. Producers in counties with a primary or contiguous disaster designation may be eligible for low interest emergency loans to help them recover from production and physical losses. Loans can help producers replace essential property, purchase inputs like life livestock, equipment, feed and seed, cover family living expenses or refinance farm-related debts and other needs. Additionally, FSA has a variety of loan servicing options available for borrowers who are unable to make scheduled payments on their farm loan debt to FSA because of reasons beyond their control. Producers who have risk protection through the Federal Crop Insurance or NAP program should report crop damage to their crop insurance agent or FSA office. If they have crop insurance, producers should report crop damage to their agent within 72 hours of damage discovery and follow-up in writing within 15 days. For NAP cover crops, a notice of loss must be filed within 15 days of the loss becoming apparent except for hand-harvested crops, which should be reported within 72 hours. FSA's Emergency Conservation Program and Emergency Forest Restoration Program can assist landowners and forest stewards with financial and technical assistance to restore fencing, damaged farmland or forest. Earlier this month, FSA updated the ECP to enable advance payments up to 25% of costs for all ECP practices. USA's Natural Resources Conservation Service administers the Emergency Watershed Protection Program, which provides assistance to local government sponsors with the cost of addressing watershed impairments or hazards such as debris removal and stream bank stabilization. The EWP program is a recovery effort aimed at relieving imminent hazards to life and property caused by floods, fires, windstorms, and other natural disasters. All projects must have an eligible project sponsor. NRCS may bear up to 75% of the eligible construction cost of emergency measures. The remaining costs must come from local sources and can be in the form of cash or in-kind services ewp is designed for installation of recovery measures to safeguard life and property as a result of natural disasters threats that the ewp program addresses are termed watershed impairments these include but are not limited to debris clogged waterways unstable stream banks severe erosion jeopardizing public infrastructure and windborne debris removal Eligible sponsors include cities, counties, towns, or any federally recognized Native American tribe or tribal organizations. Western Plant Health has released a statement in response to the California Department of Pesticide Regulations Sustainable Pest Management Roadmap. The statement says that Western Plant Health appreciates DPR's commitment to implement reforms that will expedite the registration and new products, which DPR acknowledges in a report are all more sustainable. The recommendations also seek to assure greater departmental accountability to the registration process. WPH supports these reforms, which they have recommended for years. They look forward to not only reading about needed reforms, but also seeing these reforms occur and are committed to working with DPR to fulfill the recommendations that will implement a system that expedites the registration of all new products and provide accountability to the registration program. WPH also agrees that preventing the introduction of pests and advancing research for new pest control systems is important to all Californians. They support the administration's commitment to these areas by increasing general fund allocations, not only fully funded CDFA's Pest Prevention Division and the University of California's Extension Services, but to expanding those services. The Arizona and California desert growing region continues to experience very cool wind gusts up to 30 miles per hour, bringing morning temperatures down into the low 30s. Recently, more ice events lingered throughout this past weekend. Markon is reporting green leaf and romaine supplies are ample in the Arizona-California desert growing regions. Iceberg stocks are a bit tighter compared to the previous weeks, as multiple days of lettuce ice have stalled growth. Markon first crop premium leaf is premium green leaf is readily available out of the Arizona-California desert growing region mfc premium iceberg and romaine are being packed regularly mark on best available is being substituted as needed due to light case weights quality is good epidermal blistering fringe burn insect pressure and mildew are present in some lots Greenleaf and romaine prices are expected to remain fairly steady iceberg markets will inch up as continued cold weather impacts the arizona california desert region lowering volume the excessive rainfall and atmospheric rivers seem to have stopped in California, at least for the moment. They started in early December and continued until January 27th, according to the Santa Maria CIMIS weather station. The Santa Maria area received a total of 12.39 inches of rain since December 1st of last year. The area is one of California's key strawberry growing regions. Production and harvest in the Santa Maria Valley haven't started as the October and November plantings don't have any fruit yet, according to Felix Zorita, with Driscoll's. He says as a result no real production has been impacted right now. However with the ground being so wet plant production is expected to be slow and delayed in the short term. Some of the beds the strawberries are grown in fell apart limiting plant growth. The mid to long-term impact is still unknown he says and he says they cannot rule out some root disease. Root diseases can further delay growth or even cause plant collapse.
2: Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect.
3: The Department of Water Resources, or DWR, is partnering with the State Water Resources Control Board to fast-track efforts to capture floodwaters to recharge groundwater basins. Water captured during extreme wet periods, such as the one California has recently been experiencing, will be stored in groundwater basins for use during dry periods. Groundwater is a critical component of California's water supply, and Melissa Sparks Kranz with the Department of Water Resources joined the show to convey the importance of acting fast to capture this groundwater for the state and divert it to growers or other areas that need it most. The
4: state's general hydrologic outlook going into, you know, this winter, we have been in three consecutive years of intense drought. And those, um, you know, that has led to continued um, reliance on our groundwater supplies. So continued pumping in uh, in groundwater basins, and that's really the way our groundwater basins are exercised. They are that drought savings account. When we have less precipitation and snowmelt, um, the groundwater um, is there for that for that purpose, um, and that's that natural fluctuation. Um, but you know even though we've we've been relying on our groundwater basins heavily over the drought years, there's that balance of um, replenishing those basins. And when we have wet years, that's, I think that's the real charge that we're looking at is seeing how can we recover and replenish those supplies for future droughts and for future use. So the ability to divert and capture water when we have it in excess uh, for the purpose of groundwater recharge is really important. And those uh, actions in some cases require additional permitting um, across the state and for various purposes. So that takes a level of planning um, that that needs to be done. So um, also kind of in parallel in this conversation, I think a really important sort of context setter uh, setting is just understanding that the state is now, uh, the Department of Water Resources, our agency, is overseeing the local implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, SIGMA. That came into play in 2014 and it requires local groundwater agencies to develop local groundwater sustainability plans that have set very specific goals for their basin, right? So they have 20 years under this new law to achieve their local basin sustainability goals. So for the most critically overdrafted groundwater basins in the state, That's by 2040, so 20 year timeline here. And how are the agencies getting to that point? Well, it hangs in that balance of pumping groundwater, using groundwater when we need it, but also again, recovering the supplies through projects and actions that they have in their plans, which many are relying upon groundwater recharge as a key strategy to help recover and uh, balance their basins. So, looking at groundwater recharge as that key strategy, um, you know, we are at the state level looking to support these local agencies, expedite and get these projects underway and the planning for these projects underway as quickly as possible. You know, we're seeing local agencies have proposed more than 300 new groundwater recharge projects, which is great. But we want to help expedite the steps to get those projects. You know vetted, planned for, constructed, and accomplished so that we are able to capture water and put it in the ground in these various projects that the local agencies have planned.
3: As part of the state's effort in helping expedite groundwater recharge projects, Sparks Kranz said key actions took place last year that helped with the new pilot project that will capture available precipitation, stormwater, or floodwaters to recharge depleted groundwater basins. It's important to be ready to capture high flows when they are available during each wet season, typically October through April in California.
4: Again, we were in um, the third intense year of drought conditions last year. Um, and in March, the governor, uh, governor Newsom issued a drought executive order that included some key specific um, actions and language in that executive order for the state to support expediting groundwater recharge projects. Um, another key action that happened last summer was in August, the governor also and the administration laid out what's called the California Water Supply Strategy, Adapting to a Hotter, Drier Future, really identifying how this changing climate that we are experiencing and really po- pinpointing in on the aridification that is happening across the state, You know, drier, hotter uh, temperatures are impacting our water supply. And so how can we lay out a strategy that's gonna help us navigate that those climate changes going into the future? And so the replenishment of groundwater basins is an essential part of that, right? Because we've talked about already you know, how we swing in dry and wet years in fluctuating and using our groundwater basins. So it is really a long-term water resilience and drought mitigation effort to um, replenish our groundwater basins. And so we have, our department has, um, you know, taken these strategies um, very seriously. And we're very committed to helping both in our Sigma oversight of local agencies you know, carrying out these recharge projects, but also in a drought mind as well to ensure that we are drought resilient and water resilient for the future. We've taken this very seriously to commit to helping local agencies navigate all steps of planning for and getting the perm- necessary permits where it's required to get these projects underway.
3: Tune into tomorrow's episode where we'll hear from DWR's Jenny Marr on where the current pilot project stands and how it aligns with Governor Newsom's California water supply strategy, adapting to a hotter, drier future. For my Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom.
1: Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. BeeHero Hero accurately evaluates your bees pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Bee Hero, Superior Bees, Superior Pollination.
0: Organic fresh produce sales grew by three percent last year, while total volume dropped by three point seven percent. The Organic Produce Network says total sales topped nine point four billion dollars for the year. The 2022 Organic Produce Performance Report says the fresh berry category was the top organic produce category, with more than sixteen percent of the organic fresh produce dollars in 2022. Fresh berry sales topped one point six billion dollars for the year, with organic packed salads a close second at one point fifty five billion dollars. Total. Fresh produce sales gained 7.3% in dollars during a year, but dropped 1.3% in volume from the prior year. During 2022, 13% of the top 20 organic produce categories by total sales posted increases in dollars, with organic onions generating the largest increase at 15.4%. That increase was followed by cucumbers, potatoes, and avocados. Organic performance in 2022 was consistent across the nation as dollars grew and volume declined. USDA Deputy Secretary Jewel Bronau's announced retirement in the coming weeks leaves a key department post without a political appointee. Bronau's retirement to spend more time with her family is a key loss for USDA and Secretary Tom Vilsack. Senate Ag Ranking Member John Boozman pointed to the importance of the Deputy Secretary's post at Bronas' confirmation hearing.
3: The position coordinates day-to-day operations within the department and efforts across agencies. The deputy secretary is tasked with implementing the departmental mission. The deputy secretary receives input from outside the agency and stays up-to-date on issues and trends in the agriculture arena.
0: Allowing the secretary to spend more time promoting USDA's efforts and the administration's agenda around the country and overseas. And the lack of a political appointee in a number two post, even temporarily, could be a challenge on top issues.
3: Including how the administration works with our producers on issues involving the environment and climate. In recent years, production agriculture has taken many strides to be more efficient and environmentally friendly. So we need USDA and other federal agencies to acknowledge that work and see agriculture as part of the solution, not part of the problem.
0: Complaining against heavy-handed one-size-fits-all rules versus bipartisan policies that don't mandate specific farming practices, just one of many sensitive issues where a political appointee is needed. The U.S. is currently in the third round of talks to redo the World Trade Organization's trade dispute arbitration system. The U.S. ambassador to the WTO told Borders News that America wants to be fully up and running by the end of 2024. The WTO's appeals bench rules on top disputes among nations. It's been out of service for two years due to U.S. appointment blockages put in place during the Trump administration. The current administration has resisted calls by WTO members to approve the appointments and has been leading the negotiations on how to redo the dispute system. Asked if it was even possible to revive the appellate body, Deputy U.S. Trade Representative Maria Pagan said no. She said it needs a lot of revamping and the U.S. has criticized the WTO's alleged overreach and lengthy processes and it strongly contested some of the WTO's recent rulings against America. The top members of the Senate Finance Committee have sent a letter to the White House asking the administration to pursue enforcement action against Canada and Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Inside Trade says they're concerned about areas where Canada and Mexico are not complying with the agreement's rules, especially around energy and agriculture. Ron Whedon and Mike Crapo, the top Democrat and Republican on the committee, sent the letter saying the office of the USTR must continue pursuing full implementation and where necessary, robust enforcement of the USMCA. They also noted that the PAC's full potential remains unrealized. The lawmakers highlighted Canadian failure to comply with rules regarding tariff rate quotas on dairy products. The U.S. recently requested dispute settlement consultations for a third time regarding Canada's dairy policy. U.S. and Mexican discussions recently continued last week. Late last week, the Department of Energy announced $118 million in funding to help expand U.S. biofuel production. Growth Energy CEO Emily Score says the funds will undoubtedly accelerate the innovations taking place at U.S. ethanol plants. She says it will open many new opportunities for low-cost, low-carbon energy. And she points out that the president himself said there will be no achieving a goal of net zero energy by 2050 without biofuels. While mechanized equipment use grows in fruit and vegetable production, there is still the issue of adapting such innovation for various crops. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain.
3: Fruit and vegetable growers continue to rely increasingly on mechanical aids to improve efficiencies and address higher labor costs in recent years. A good example is in the Washington State apple industry. Growers are using platforms now where their teams of workers can ride on the platform between orchard rows and move up and down that we don't have to lug around ladders. It's safer, it's faster. When you're managing your orchards, that's the way you've got to think a little bit different about compensation. Skylar Simdent of USDA's Agricultural Research Service acknowledges that Mechanization is easier to adapt with some fruit and vegetable crops than with others. Processed produce, in many instances, lend to machine harvesting, while more delicate fruits and vegetables are more susceptible to damage from mechanized equipment. I'm Rod Bain, reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
1: Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together.
2: JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States.
1: Everywhere you go, you see West Coast not Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it.
2: Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you